I have a feeling those children's church workers will not be bored today. It's a lively bunch. This morning, we're going to be looking at one of my uh, favorite passages in Scripture. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I personally love the story. I mean, I remember hearing it when I was young and have just loved the book of Daniel uh, all of my life. And then when, when my kids were young, uh, they were really into, uh, into veggie tales. They were little Christian animated movies. And I'm telling you, they would watch these things over and over and over. And they just get in your brain. And so one day in that time period when we were constantly watching this, I remember preaching on Daniel, and, and I, from the pulpit, started talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. And then, I, wait, 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 that's not his name. That's the VeggieTales name. It was Nebuchadnezzar, and, uh, and, and it wasn't Rakshak and Benny. It's, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But it is a fantastic story. It goes all through uh, chapter 3, but we're going to begin just by reading um, the first few verses in chapter 3 and, and thinking about what God would have to say to us. So Daniel chapter 3 and, uh, and beginning in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So, the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship, will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Let's pray. Lord to God, I am so thankful for the record of your word and all the men and women whose lives are recorded. And Father, I pray especially today that this particular story Lord, that it would help us to think about not only the worship that took place and how it took place way back in ancient days, but Father, help us to think about worship today and how we are at worshiping you. Father, give us strength to stand for you In difficult days, give us strength to shine for you in a darkened world. God, we pray and we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Have you noticed all the surveys, all the feedback requests, all the evaluations that you're constantly being asked uh, to to fill out and to, to do these days? 
I mean, it's almost as bad as all of those legal boxes you check that you read that 23 pages of fine print and you agree to it all. I mean, it's maybe not quite that bad, but you, you simply can't buy something or talk to a customer representative or, or, or go or do any, anything that you don't get an get a email saying, hey, could you rate us? Hey, could you tell us? Could you give us five stars? Or, or could you tell us what was going on? Maybe you just get a, a phone call and you're just wanting to get a bill paid off. And they're saying, would you please hang on afterward for two minutes for a brief questionnaire? You know, we're constantly being asked for feedback. And there's a reason for that is that companies want to know what you are thinking. They want to know if what they're doing is effective at making you happy, aka ultimately earning them more money, okay? So it's not so much that they're concerned about you, but, but we know how it is. And, and in this world that we live in, um, that, that has just become commonplace to do all these evaluations to make sure that we're pleasing the customer and, and all that. And, you know, that's not just in the business world. It's in the, in the church world that uh, lots of churches say, hey, we want to do our best. And so they'll, they'll do evaluations. Um, you know, maybe they pass out a sheet to certain people and say, take notes in this service and how we did in all these, these areas. And, and some people even... Um, like, you know how like secret shoppers used to go into businesses back in the day? They'll even have, they'll even hire somebody from outside of church sometimes to come in and check out their worship service and evaluate. And uh, this is nothing new though, because uh, it, it just used to not be so formal because we've always gotten feedback in churches. Okay, let me tell you, you, you know, sometimes they're anonymous notes. Sometimes they're People walking out and saying, oh, the weather's cold today, isn't it, Pastor? You know, and I mean, you just never know. You, you get feedback from people to know what they think about things. But wouldn't it be cool if that the feedback the, that we get from all of these surveys and stuff, uh, if, if we could have that uh, looking at back in the day, if there was somebody in that special ceremony where Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. What if there was someone who was rating that worship, who, who was evaluating it and telling us what it all would be about? Now, I, I want you to go on a little journey with me here. Okay, so long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, once upon a time in a different multiverse, whatever way that, that helps you get to creative thinking, let's think for a moment, what if that happened? What if that happened? Hmm. Breaking news I've got to share with you. This morning, archaeologists announced the discovery of an ancient worship service review by a well-known reporter, I'll Bet You Know Her. Bet You Know Her, a regular correspondent of the fan network, that's fake ancient news, she entitled her report, Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot. Full text of the report may be found below, and I believe even accompanying this, uh, we, we might have been able to pull up an image of uh, I'll Bet You Noah. Did we get that anywhere? Do we have that one? I don't know. Maybe we'll pull it up eventually. But, but listen to this review of that worship service. Okay. Yes, there she is in her trendy Neo-Babylonian type uh, wear. Uh, works for all occasions. Okay, so I'll Bet You Noah... Her review reads as such, as part of my ongoing undercover series on mega worship services in the Neo-Babylonian Empire, I recently attended a special dedication service of King Nebuchadnezzar. 
Keep reading as I break down each part of the ceremony. First of all, initial impressions. She says, I was warmly greeted and invited to fill out a visitor's scroll. And ushers guided me to an empty standing spot and did not embarrass me in any way. So, so far, so good. Facilities. Top quality craftsmanship in every part of the worship area. Size of the statue does give me some concerns about the use of offerings and the mental state of the emperor. Okay. Next, we see audio-visual. All contemporary worship instruments were skillfully used, including the electric lyre. Uh, smoke from the incense was a bonus and greatly enhanced the atmosphere. Wow. So everything is really good here so far. Worship flow. Now, this is a big one. Churches look at worship flow. How does everything go all together? All went smoothly until the service was upset by reports of three foreign men who opened their eyes during prayer. I'm rather doubtful of these reports. How did the accusers know unless their eyes were open during prayer? All right. Um, it could have been something else, but that's what she heard it was about. And uh, finally, clarity and relevance. It was clear I would die if I didn't bow down. That information was extremely relevant to me. Overall score, I give Nebuchadnezzar four out of five crowns. All right. Oh, also overheard on the way out. Finally, I wasn't cold in the worship service. And then below that, we see, following the review, a brief statement on transparency, full disclosure. I attended the dedication ceremony anonymously, and absolutely no goods or services were received from any satrap, prefect, governor, advisor, treasurer, judge, magistrate, or other provincial authorities. Wow, isn't that neat? Now listen, we might read that and uh, we might smirk, we might smile, we might chuckle a moment, but all of us would understand while that, hey, she observed a lot of things, she missed the main thing. She didn't talk about what was really important in worship. And Jesus settled that issue. He talked about this directly. And it had nothing to do with atmosphere or flow or the buildings or the decorations. Jesus said our worship comes down to two things. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. And every time we worship, we need to be thinking about these two elements. Am I worshiping in spirit? That is, is my heart, is my soul into this? Or am I simply showing up out of habit? Is it routine? Is it the thing I normally do? Is it something I'm doing to look good, to impress others? Maybe the place I attend worship, I make connections there. Maybe I feel forced. Or is my spirit fully engaged? Before I moved to this church, my town, I pastored basically in a college town. Well, there was one small town right there. And then there was a big, I mean, one small college and then a big college just one county away. And so football, it was a big deal. And we would think about how we would prepare for football. 
I knew people who would drive over every single Friday afternoon or they'd pay some young kid to drive over and set up a tent in an area so they could tailgate in a better spot, in a better location than anybody. And and then they would show up early. And they'd set up their tent and they'd, they'd have their grill going or their catered food going and, and they'd have the drinks and they even had portal, portable satellite dishes. Isn't this cool? You could go to where a football game is and you have a ticket, but you don't go in the stadium because you're watching it on satellite right outside in your tailgate tent. Isn't that interesting? But they would do all of these things to prepare for what was so important to them. And I want to ask you, Christian. What do you do to prepare for worship? What do you do to get your heart in the right place? It could be some very simple things. Some of them might not even sound all that spiritual. Maybe it's making sure we all get to bed at a decent hour on Saturday night. Maybe I set out some clothes and an emergency pair even for the ones that are going to get dirty. And then may, maybe it's we wake up and we have some prayer. And, and maybe we're not so concerned about appearance, but we're concerned about what God sees on the inside. We're concerned about our heart. So that is what worshiping in spirit is about. And then, of course, we got to worship in truth. Here are a bunch of people in this story. And you know what? They all, except for three, thousands, perhaps tens of thousands, except for three men, bowed down and worshipped at the altar of Nebuchadnezzar, at this statue that have gone higher than our steeple. They bowed down, bowed down and they worshipped. They weren't worshipping in truth. Number one, they weren't worshiping in truth because Nebuchadnezzar was no God. People treated him like one. He was the emperor of all of the known world. He was the most powerful guy on the planet, but he wasn't God. He was one of many little g false gods. And beyond that, those who worshiped him were doing so under coercion. They were doing so under threat. The truth was he was a created being just like anybody else. And Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that. He had to get that. Because even at the end, after the end of this story where he finally acknowledges the one true God, the Bible goes on in the next chapter of Daniel, and and it tells us about how arrogant and prideful he was. And how God had to teach him a real tough lesson. That God was God and Nebuchadnezzar wasn't. We live in a world today where style, image, appearance, popularity, all of those things in our culture seem to tower over truth. How'd you feel about it? Boy, was it, did you, did you have good vibes? Did you, oh, was was it meaningful to you? And all of these things, rather than who are we really worshiping? What are we really worshiping? From God's word, he tells us that ultimately there's one thing, one being, that is God alone. 
Only God is worshiping, is, is worthy of our worship. In fact, in the Bible, numerous characters, when they see angels, angelic beings, supernatural beings, man, mankind, men and women are often uh, tempted to fall down before them because they seem so glorious. But you will hear the angels, uh, it's recorded uh, in, in the Bible that angels will say, stand up, don't worship me. Worship God. He alone is worthy of our worship. We're real good at evaluating others. Isn't that right? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, we don't have to be paid to do it. We don't have to be given a coupon or, or employed. We evaluate other people all the time. We do that at work. We do that when we're out in the community. We do that when we're watching TV. We rate and evaluate stuff, what we feel about it. We're really good about evaluating everybody except ourselves. And yet, if we're going to worship the way that we've got to, the way that God wants us to, we have to go through that painful process of forgetting about what everybody else is wearing and what, where they're sitting and whether their kid is misbehaving or whether they're making a noise or whether their candy opening is really loud or, or whatever else you're thinking about, evaluating, wondering. And turn inward for a moment and say, God, help me to think about, am I a true worshiper? Guys, I know evaluating yourself is hard. It is painful. I want to tell you. This week, Landis sent me a text uh, with a new way that we could, that, that folks could kind of get a glimpse of, of, of our services and the messages. We've had, you know, video and Facebook and, and, and um, other, you know, you can find it on YouTube or whatever. But um, he just uploaded last week's service uh, onto the uh, audio, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Podcast, thank you. It just wasn't coming. Sorry about that. So he uploaded a podcast and he sent me to that. And here I am, I said, oh, I'll check it out. And I play it and it begins right with me preaching. Oh, that guy's voice. Oh, it's the worst. It just makes me cringe. How do the people of Kentucky Baptist Church listen to that every... I mean, are you gluttons for punishment? I don't know. Does anyone else feel that same way when you hear your own voice? I can't stand it. And yet, over the years, I've had to make myself watch or listen to video or recordings of me preaching. Because a long time ago when I was starting out... And you can tell this was a different era. He said, you never get better unless you listen to your tapes. You never get better unless you listen to your tapes. You can preach Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But if you don't go back and listen to see what actually came out, you never know where to make corrections. And so I'm going to ask you not to do something I've never done, but to do something that I don't love, but I know is good for me. I'm going to ask you to evaluate your worship. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, have I really anticipated and looked forward to coming to church? Or has it been an afterthought? Have I opened my heart toward what God may tell me 
anything, whether it is a new command, a new way of serving him, or a rebuke for a way that I'm not serving him. Am I really open to that? Do I show up wanting to hear something that tickles my ears, that makes me feel good about myself? Or am I ready for God to do spiritual surgery? To use his word that is sharper than any double-edged sword to pierce my heart and to show me where I need to change to be more like him. Do I believe what sounds good to me, what goes along with what the world says or what grandma said? Or am I committed to digging into God's word and listening and obeying his truth even when it's hard, even when it's painful. If you were to fill out a sheet, an evaluation of your own personal worship, what would it look like? Are you willing to do the hard work? And are you willing to do something about it? My hope and my prayer is that the answer for each of us is yes. Pray with me. God, Lord, you are so amazing because you give us grace. We falter, we fail, we mess up. God, beyond that, we're sometimes downright intentionally ignorant and intentionally stubborn because we have treasured in our heart sin that's kept us from you. Or we have treasured in our heart our own comfort, which has become a sin because we've put our own comfort and our own preferences above you and your kingdom. And Lord, today I ask that you would help each of us to turn our eyes inward for a moment. Certainly not to worship ourselves or pat ourselves on the back, but Father, for us to do an honest evaluation of how day in and day out and week in and week out we worship you our almighty creator, our father, our redeemer, our Lord of lords, our King of kings, who is worthy of all worship and praise. Have we given you, are we continuing to give you your due, the glory and honor that belongs only to you? Father, I pray for myself and every other person in here today and every person who watches or listens God give us the courage to take that really hard look honestly and Father even greater courage to allow your spirit to change us and make us more like Jesus in those places that we've been stubborn or willfully ignorant may we surrender to your will today. And God, we pray and we ask all these things.
in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Here's one thought before we begin singing. You will never know the experience of another being in the fire with you. You will never know the experience of God's powerful presence in your life until he becomes the center of all, until he becomes your everything. And when that happens, you will walk into fires and floods and disasters, but you will not do so alone because the shepherd will be with you. And I'm going to tell you, it may not be a life of ease and comfort, but it is a life that is more fulfilling, more purpose-filled than you could ever imagine. Will you surrender to his will for your life, to his will for your worship today? Would you stand and you respond as the Lord leads?